Am I allowed to be turned on by a loss? Am I allowed to be turned on by a Lions loss? Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Now in season mode, we're here to talk about the 49ers game. A game that uh, had a lot of people rewriting their uh, notes, their recaps, their opinion pieces within the final minutes as uh, Mr. Bones' wild ride immediately took off and started going careening all over the place. Mr. Bones, in this case, now being played by one Mr. Dan Campbell, your head coach of the Detroit Lions. As the final score reads 41-33, San Francisco 49ers, but the final score is is a bleeping liar. That game was on fire. That game was psychotic. And we're going to talk about it. You're going to get everything about this game right now. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. If you just tuned in earlier for the post-game show on Twitch, you've already seen my ugly mug. Let's introduce everyone else. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, managing editor at Detroit Online, fresh back from Ford Field, fresh from uh, Dan Campbell with his first set with at least one of two kneecaps taken from the 49ers, Jeremy, I believe. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting game. I would say uh, probably a lot more negatives than positives if we're being completely honest. But the Lions gave us a, a a bit of entertainment at the end, which certainly changed the narrative of the game because I think we were headed towards a wow, this team is a lot further away than we thought. To hey, that was kind of fun. Maybe this team has some spirit in it. And I'm not one to buy too much into the emotional narratives of a team and like, wow, what a gritty team. They, they almost came back. And, but there were, there were some good things that happened in this game and, and we're going to get to the good things. We're going to get into the bad things. Um, but overall, take you know, good, you take you, bad. The, the, the thing we're looking for in this first year is entertainment, right? We're, we're hoping this team is going to be entertaining. We're hoping this team's going to be fun. We're not expecting them to win a whole lot of ball games. So we're one for one in that in that category. So I can't. I think this is the best of all worlds. We got entertained. We got heart. We got so much determination, though. We got signs of improvement from the Patricia era, and the team is still zero and one, guaranteeing us to go higher up in the draft order. Third man, the man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother- rock at Ryan underscore pod. Ryan was pointing at himself at rewriting uh, a lot of his notes. This was a rewrite day, Ryan. Yeah, there, there, there was some narratives that were flipped. Um, but there, I mean, largely, I, I agree with Jeremy from the standpoint that there was probably more bad than good. And what ended up happening is a, a fury of good at the end that kind of, if we're thinking about digging a grave, it kind of threw a bunch of loose soil on top and planted some flowers and made it look a lot prettier than it is, but it's still a dead body. Like that's so <laughs> Jesus. It's a shallow grave. That's well, I will say, I will say, analogy. I don't feel bad for anyone who left this game early. You want to don't get and it. beat the traffic. Don't like, you know, you, you, you did it. Congratulations. But don't be I that person. You. Don't leave early. Yeah. Don't, don't leave don't. early. Never leave well, early. This is the perfect well, example of why you football don't leave tickets early. are expensive. Yeah. Get the whole four quarters out of it, man. I can get it, though, if you're parked at like one of the casinos, but I, I, w- I hope there's some people banging to try to get back in and being told no reentry. If you're parked at the casino, then you should probably know that you're going to stop inside and play a few hands of blackjack. So who cares when you leave the game? <laughs> go, Not go everyone's you. Finish. Not everyone's you just randomly throwing $100 on black every time you go up there. Uh, I'll put $100 on Dan Campbell any day of the week. <laughs> hey, they beat the spread. What? 
I they, damn this was this was two delicious pieces of bread sandwiching a turd. But damn, was that bread tasty? It was homemade sourdough, baby. Let's start with this. Let's start with the fact the Lions were for, let's say, about, oh, I don't know, the first quarter, maybe quarter and a half. They were solidly in this game and they were able to hang tough with the San Francisco 49ers. Then the wheels came off and they came off in a very bad way. They came off in a very bad way, including a Jared Goff pick, including a lot of craziness, a lot of psychosis. And then suddenly you turned around and back. Suddenly, suddenly, for, what was it? 41 to 17, I believe. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was 41 to 17. And before you know it, the Lions got two touchdowns, an onside kick. Um, aggression was the name of the day. And that's befitting of Dan Campbell, who... You want to talk about kneecaps all you want. Jeremy, first two, play, first two drives, he goes for a fourth down. He probably gets that first one, too, if Jamal Williams doesn't trip up on a turf monster. And near the end of the game, the team is just clawing and scraping to get back into this one. Yeah, I mean, one of my big hiccups with, with Dan Campbell in general was I didn't know how he would manage a game, and I would say he passed his first test for sure. Like, he went for it twice in fourth down or in, the, in the first half. Like that's, that's the notable part. Like, obviously they're going to go forward and forth down late in the game when they're down 20 some points, but they, they knew like this was going to be a a boat race. This was going to be a shootout. They probably didn't want it to be, but they realized, Hey, listen, fourth and shorts early in this game on the plus side of the field, let's get points out of it. And I'll give them credit for that. And honestly, like I want to talk about the first half of that game because it wasn't that bad. Things, things spiraled very quickly at the end of the first half, but the Lions offense, first four possessions, all got into the 49ers territory. Every single one of them didn't go three. I don't know if they went three. And, well, they did go three and out later in the game. But in general, that offense was kind of rolling. And it looked really creative. They were coming up with a bunch of misdirection plays. And the running game, which is something I know we're going to get to in a while, looks fantastic. Now, I think Jared Goff looked bad most of this game, if not almost all of the game. And I know the stat line will will lie to you and say he had a 90-some passer rating, three touchdowns, fantasy, he was great. Um, no, he, he was not good in this game. And um, I think the reason why in those four possessions, they, they only turned into 10 points. And that's a huge reason why they, they fell behind in this game. Um, obviously, the defense is the other reason. I'm giving up, you know, three straight touchdown drives in the first half after kind of being gifted a fumble. But there were some promising, promising things that happened in that first half. and then. A lot of times, like, I hate to compare it to the Jets game because it wasn't the Jets game, uh, the first game of the the Dan Campbell, or of the Matt Patricia era, but, like, that game also spiraled very, very quickly and, um, you know, put themselves in a hole where they just couldn't come out from. And and if you want to give them credit for coming back, go for it. Like, it, it, it took a lot. Like, you know, yes, you get an onside kick, which is fairly lucky. Yes, you get a fumble recovery, which is fa- fairly lucky. But you turn those into scoring drives. You did it. It counts. And it was, you know, like I said, up and down game. I, I do think there, there were significant more negatives. But um, yeah, in terms of your original point, which I got way far away from, Dan Campbell being aggressive. Yes, approve. Thank you. Good job. Keep doing well, it. I, I, I think to your point about, you know, and, and I mean, you're, you're trying to hit on what I say when I say aggression too. like, I can't, I don't think any Matt Patricia team is ever coming back. From what if we put Matt Patricia in charge of this team here and we put the the massive touchdown bomb on them 
like they're rolling over at that point. Maybe. Well, I, 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 I think I think the secret sauce for any Matt Patricia team is that he had Matthew Stafford. And I don't feel like yeah. I'm truly out of any game as long as Matthew Stafford's under center. But to Jeremy's point, with like six minutes left in the half, this is a 14 to 10 game in the first half. <laughs> yep. Like, I mean, it was a very close game. Now, even though the Lions were trailing by four, there's still a criticism to that because... The very first offensive snap of the game for the 49ers is a fumble that the Lions get in plus territory and they miss a field goal. So on top of going for it on fourth down, fourth and a long one and not converting from the, you know, the 49ers 35, they don't get any points on their second opportunity on the plus side of the field. And and that's what delineates a team that's really good versus a team that's bad. And I mean... That's what the offense is. And the thing that was most frustrating, I think, was Jared Goff. Like, he, he he checked down the ball a lot. He missed on his deep throws. I thought Anthony Lynn was a wonderkin. I really do. Like, I think that in terms of what he was doing pre-snap, there was a play where Panay Sewell motioned over from the left side to the right yeah. side on yeah. a run play. Like, I mean, he was doing anything and everything. He was throwing the whole kitchen sink in terms of pre-snap motions and, and looks that he could throw at the 49ers defense. And I think the Lions were in a lot of advantageous places. Like, Jared Goff missed Amon Ross St. Brown on a wide-open deep pass. That yep. I mean, any any good quarterback needs to make that throw, and he just didn't make it. And there, there were so many opportunities where Jared Goff... I, I want to say this about the offensive line for it being a piecemeal in terms of Matt Nelson, a new tackle on the right side, moving Panay Sewell over to the left side, who I think had a much better game than a lot of people were anticipating. Yes. No, we we were spending the whole week with people wringing their hands over his development. Oh, my God. We spent the whole offseason training to be a right tackle. Now you're moving him to the left tackle. Oh, my God. He's going to have to fight off Nick Bosa. What are you doing? This is going to harm his 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 uh, confidence is going to harm his development. He looked I mean. Bosa still beat him a few times because he's Bosa, but like he looked, he looked very good out there for a for a rookie left tackle. Hey, and for everything that Chris can say, awesome. But listen to what Nick Bosa said himself post game after <clears throat> after the game about Penesul. He's going to be good. He's more than comfortable on the left, and I could tell from the tape I saw of him on the right. I told him after the game that he's better on the left. I, look, yeah. the li- the Lions have a month to figure this out however they want to figure it out. But it looks like right now in the here and now, it shouldn't shock anybody that Panay looks better on the left. But my, my overarching point, so I can shut up and somebody else can start talking, is I thought the offensive line did a really, a, a really sound job for all the moving pieces. I mean, Matt Nelson is a guy who admittedly is still learning the game of football. Did he look bad? He looked bad in some spots. But at the same time, who thought the Lions were going to be able to run the ball this well against the 49ers? Yeah, and I, I hate to to go back to golf on this because I, I think people are going to think I'm a golf hater. But no, it, you're it, not. It, it, you're not. No, he had, he didn't have a good game. He didn't no, have a good game, and he missed on a lot. I mean, when you have a run game going as well as that did in that first half, you got you got to put up scores. You got to put up touchdowns, and it's the miss to Amon Ra. There's a lot of short passes that he missed, and those are uncharacteristic mistakes for him. If there's he one thing does. I would say that Jared Goff is good about, his accuracy is not bad. But then the other things started happening, too. Like you said, well, a lot of checkdowns. He didn't throw it to a wide... He threw it to, like, a wide receiver twice in the first half. I, I just, have... Go ahead. No, no, I just... No, no, you, you finish your point. I'm sorry. I'm just... I, I just wanted to agree with you. Like, yeah, it's either first read or checkdown. 
any and any quarterback can do it's, that. It's it's too much hesit- hesitancy downfield. And when he eventually does throw it downfield, it's late. He had to throw, and I think it was to it's either to Khalif or um or Amon Ra. Deep pass, it the pass is where it needs to be, but the guy takes a huge hit and drops the ball. And it's because the pass is late. And it's because and, and that happened two or three times. Like he threw a couple murder balls out there today where his receivers took on oh, a yeah. big hit. DeAndre Swift got hit big over yep. the middle. TJ Hawkinson got hit over on the sideline pretty hard. Yeah. And and those kind like, of things that Tom Brady was talking about. Like you say. can't have Tom, quarterbacks killing getting quarterback. killed over the middle. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because it's late. And and listen, I want to give him some credit too. Like he made some big plays at the end of the game. You know, maybe maybe the 49s are, are in more of a prevent, but like you saw what happened when he he, he didn't have any choice. He had to push it downfield and he did. And it started to work. Now he got overly aggressive on the pick six and there's, and you can say, yeah, his follow through hit the helmet. And I think he even mentioned like, yeah, I didn't, that ball didn't come out of my hands the way I wanted it to. Threw it triple coverage. It, but yeah, yeah, he threw it into triple coverage. Like, <laughs> Matthew Stafford can't make that throw. Yeah. No, and you know, well, you know Matthew Stafford wouldn't make that throw. I think yeah, he, might, he, he might try, you know, he, he might, might try, try. <laughs> he, he might try, try. <laughs> I would trust him a little but to your point about who he threw it to, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, 30 targets between them. Wide receivers, <laughs> all all wide receivers targeted those three guys 30 times total. All wide receivers were only targeted 24 times. And and like that's that's 90, Trinity 90% Benson of that came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, right. That's Trinity Benson, Amon Ra, Khalif Raymond, Tyrell Williams, Quintus Cephas. And yeah, up until probably that fourth quarter, the only one who was really actually he was like throwing it towards was probably Khalif Raymond. Like and, and he, he was going again, short. Like that goes back to, again, giving Goff a little credit because, you know, Tyrell Williams leaves that game in the in the third or fourth quarter. So the receivers he's dealing with are guys. One guy they just traded for. The other one's Khalif Raymond, who, um, you know, not not a number one receiver by any t- means. You got a rookie out there in Amon Ra and and Quintus Cephas, who I thought had a, a couple pretty good catches in this game as well. So it's not exactly a murderer's row of wide receivers that he's that he's dealing with. But at some point, you 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 have to trust your receivers in one on one coverage. And Jared Goff just didn't. Hey, two, can I, two things to that real quick. So save for a Jason Cabinda drop, that should have been an easy third down yep. conversion. True. Goff would have convert. He would have converted passes to ten different receivers, which is just. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time that happened in a Lions game? But the the point about Tyra Williams is interesting because if Jared Goff isn't going to utilize a vertical passing threat, I don't know how much Tyra Williams really matters. <laughs> like in the in the grand scheme of yeah. things, like if if we're not going to push things vertical, it, it, it it's a question of whether or not he's you know a a contributor to this offense like yes he can make catches on on comebacks and and maybe some you know post routes and things like that but i i i don't know like it it seems like tj hawkinson is going to be the guy and he he had an incredible game and we'll get into more you know individual performances and things like that but Mm -hmm. by and large i i i was really encouraged by like jeremy said at the top dan campbell his aggressiveness the way he's willing to to, to call, um, you know, a football game and, and make calls on fourth down and things like that. And I, I agree in the sense that it probably would have been a little bit of a different narrative had the Lions not come storming back all the way. Maybe there isn't this this idea that, you know, this team has a lot of heart and a lot of grit, but it happened. And so by that very thing happening, I think you have to say that this coaching staff is going to make a difference. I think you see that a lot too in 
like talk about night and day, talk about what could have been interpreted differently. Just looking at with the camera at the game on the Fox broadcast focused squarely on Aubrey Pleasant and how he was dealing with Jeff Okuda on the sidelines. Jeremy probably didn't see it because he, he was at the game. But first they got on an Aubrey Pleasant when I think it was Ryan was it was like an early touchdown. Okuda himself wasn't the one who really gave it up. But Aubrey Pleasant was like just hollering and screaming in in Okuda's face trying to fire him up. Like, yeah, so there was that. And I was worried. I was worried about how that was going to get interpreted, especially after the shadow of Matt Patricia. And, you know, they, someone on the outside might see the coach being a j- jackass, even though that's more of a, I thought that was more omnipresent being, again, a former player and acting like a former player trying to fire someone up. But then later in that game, too, like the other side of that is when Nkuda did have um, was a Debo Samuel on that late pass. That I mean, he was draped over Debo the entire day. He was given a very hard target to try to cover in Debo Samuel and Debo Samuel still went off for like 190 yards. So but yeah, on that play, like Okuda gets turned around in a real bad way and just completely lets Debo go to the house after that game. It's not Aubrey Pleasant screaming in his face. It's, you know, doing the put put the hands to your head, you know, hug to the chest kind of thing. Just try to encourage him up. Like it's it's fascinating to watch this coaching staff dealing with this team as it is going through adversity. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Jeff Okuda play where where Aubrey Pleasant was being very vocal and in Jeff Okuda's face was on the uh, Elijah Mitchell 38 yard rushing touchdown where he kind of got washed out of the play. Now, that was a play where, you know, Will Harris had an opportunity to make a stop. Um, You know, Jeff Okuda was on was on the play side on, on that play, but. I, you know, there, there's more to talk about Jeff Okuda later on because um, there's a lot of, you know, his status is up in the air in terms of injury and things like that. But um, he was a guy who, you know, Aaron Glenn talked about, we got to focus on more of the positive plays than the negative plays. He made positive plays, but he also made some negative plays that were kind of crucial in the uh, in the deciding of this game, which was a huge bummer. I hope the guy's healthy. Yeah. I want to talk about Aubrey Pleasant really quick, and then maybe we can we can jump to a break here. Yeah. Um, because he's he's an interesting guy. He's a really really fiery guy, and it doesn't completely surprise me um, to to see that video of him kind of laying into the secondary. And he he did he did interestingly say to us that you know Sundays he he likes to back off and and it's the player's day and goes out and does something like that, which is very much against what he was saying, but very consistent of what we were seeing in camp. Like he's a fiery guy that that. It, it's it's part of his playing personality. It, it's part of his coaching personality. Um, well, you've yeah, seen like, the I, video then, right? Yeah, I've, I've seen. I haven't seen the the hugging video, but yeah, I've, I've seen him. You know, pointing and and don't, I, don't I guess he kept saying, "Do do your job, do your job." Yeah, don't don't you feel like Okuda was kind of receptive to it? Like he almost seemed yeah. like, "I get it, I get it, I get it." And there were other well, yeah. there were other players around him that were kind of like pleasant, like back off a little bit. But this I, secondary, I, I, I don't think it, it was harmful. No, this, this secondary trusts him. This yeah. this secondary loves Aubrey Pleasant. Period. And and everything he did there. I think was in love. I don't think he's he's chewing these out these guys out in a way that is going to make them feel bad. He's just he's trying to fire them up. He's I mean at that point I think in the game they had scored two or three straight touchdowns. So he's just trying to fire them up and he like and that's the thing like you also see the other side of him where he's supportive where he's like listen, I know you know you made a mistake. Let, let's bring it in like 
it, 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 it was a tough game for Jeff Okuda, and like you said, we'll we'll get to it. There there are some good things that I want to talk about with him, but we'll we'll get into that when we kind of break down offense defense. Uh, yeah, I think I think I have three game balls to give out, and they're all on the offense. Um, there are three guys in the offense who I thought played very well today. Um, one who I don't even think we've mentioned his name yet, or if we have, we only mentioned it in passing. Either way, the big takeaway, and I think we all agree on it, is like the narrative does change. Narrative doesn't win you much. It's short menu, wins and losses, things of that nature. No such thing as moral victories, yada, yada, yada. This just felt, it felt, I think this game at least was significant for the fans to see that this wasn't just going to be a team getting its ass beat down, which don't get me wrong, that's probably going to happen at least a few times this season. This is still not a great roster at the end of the day, but for the first game out of the gate to show that you were still like, that you weren't just giving up in it, that you were still going hard and still giving it your all to the end. And for all, for other people too, who just, for other people out there, maybe, maybe not in the local media who have kind of written off the Lions team as one of the worst out there. This was some respect, especially when it seems to be a, 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 a consensus trying to be reached here about what kind of a coach Dan Campbell is and what kind of a coaching staff he is. And I just think like these, even in a loss, there were some positive points to the coaching staff. Like they came out of today looking, looking like they've at least got a start to this regime. It's going to be rocky. It's going to be bumpy. As I said in my preview piece, he's going to lose a lot of bleeping football games. But he's got his players on his side. And he seems to be doing at least a decent job coaching everyone up and seeming to seeming to at least again just not give up the ghost i know I'm, that doesn't seem like I'm, it's a lot to ask but i'm gonna sell on that i'm not ready i'm not ready that? to say any of that like i listen i, I just, think just this, for an opener just for an opener but that's the thing it's easy in week one to to have grit to to have you know keep it positive sure. and, and if this team is is this team going to be fighting as hard if they're one in seven and getting beat by 28 points like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just not ready to to give ourselves a moral victory because they had a couple lucky plays go in their favor in the end of the game. Like if 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 they don't convert that onside kick, we're not talking about how gritty and awesome this performance is. And let's be honest, onside kicks are kind of lucky. Same thing with the fumble at the end. Like they blew that coverage. They had converted a third down to put the game away. I don't know if we're still having this conversation if they do that. And so I don't know. I again, I feel like we're in the honeymoon period here, and we're we're. We're attaching narratives here to a team that, you know, I guess, I guess they came back, but like at the same time, like we were hyping up the secondary, like, and how good they were going to look because it's coaching staff, Aaron Glenn, Aubrey Pleasant, they're going to be so good. And the secondary was terrible today. It was, I mean, there's no way around. The secondary was terrible. No, I can I thought the secondary was going to be terrible because they were young. They are. And, and yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's not going to turn around in one day, but like they didn't have an incomplete pass until what? The last drive of the second quarter? Yeah, something like that. It wasn't the, the, great. The defense was just completely, looked completely unprepared, and I'm not ready to pass we, that we off finally, just because they looked gritty at the end. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just not. I like how we learned for the first time in the fourth quarter of this game, by the way, who's fielding punts, because yeah, that's when it took once. to get a punt. We punted, punted once, once, and it was like, oh, hey, 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 Amon Ross St. Brown, he's our punt returner. Wow, we just didn't know that up until that point. Well, let's let's go ahead and let's break down all of this here. Let's get out a narrative and go into individual performances. Um, I think there was at least three standouts, at least like three very positive points 
from the offense. We'll talk some defense as well. We'll break it all down next here on our first post-game Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Friday Detroit POD cast rolling along here, getting you. Let's move over to breaking down for players. I said there are three guys who I feel like game balls. I don't know who's handling the game balls. I'm giving all three of them to the offense here. My first game ball is going to Panay Sewell, who uh, we can probably get into him right off the top. Uh, my other two, actually, you know what? Do you want to start with Panay Sewell, or should we start with the running yeah. game? Let's, let's talk about Panay. Let's talk about the offensive line. We gave some praise there. And again, I'm giving a game ball to Panay Sewell because, again, that's a lot to ask a rookie to come in there right off the bat, especially such a young one as Panay, who still can't legally drink, to come in there and have to deal with Nick Bosa right off the bat at a position he has been training for all off season and he handled him very well. I think he finally let up one sack from Bosa onto Goff, which granted Goff wasn't really paying attention to that backfield too. So not all on Sewell blowing it, but there was a lot more good than there was bad from Sewell in this game, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I, I came away definitely impressed. We, we went into this game thinking things could go really bad for him. Tough, preseason for him um tough assignment there with nick bosa and and obviously kept nick bosa off the score sheet for for a majority of that game really and you know it wasn't perfect there there were games where there were plays where he was knocked back quite a bit but there was there was not that one play like that we saw in the preseason where he just like he got swam over or he looked completely uncomfortable and i know a lot of people are already starting to raise the question like "Uh oh he's good at left tackle what do we do when taylor decker comes back it's just, well, first of all, like, chill. Like, we don't have to think about that for another month. <laughs> Relax. Two, like, isn't that kind of a good problem to have? Like, two good left tackles. I know I know. there's a big difference between left and right tackle, and, and having one of those guys move to right tackle is not going to be an easy transition for either of those guys. But let's just, let's just be happy right now that left tackle wasn't a disaster for our, our seventh overall pick. Like, today was good news. And Matt Nelson on the other side, that's a whole different story. That was not yeah, good well. news. I would say, I would say the, <laughs> the the entire offensive line outside of Matt Nelson was actually pretty good today. Jonah Jackson had really good plays and then a couple really bad plays, but 
I was I was very impressed with the offensive line overall. I mean, how many sacks did Goff take in this game? Maybe two or three. Took and three. He took three for twenty-four yards. Three, and 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 considering he dropped back fifty-seven times, sixty if you include the three sacks, and considering they were in a lot of obvious pass situations, that's pretty damn good. And I'm not even talking about the run game, which was really kind of fantastic today. And that interior offensive line did a lot of work today. That 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 mm. makes it pretty optimistic that maybe just maybe lines are going to establish the run this year we'll see and jared goff had 57 pass attempts yeah. if he was sacked three times he dropped back 60 times to throw the yeah, football we just, we just said that right but the, i i want to emphasize i want to sure. emphasize that fact that like this was an offensive line where matt nelson was playing right tackle Th- this was an offensive line that it was missing Taylor Decker. Panay Sewell had to move over sides after spending the entire preseason all the way back to rookie camp. This guy was playing right tackle. And then he kicks over the left side. I agree with Jeremy. Like, there, there's a month to figure this out. Okay, there, there's a month to figure out, you know, what happens with Taylor Decker, what happens with Panay Sewell. But in the here and now, what you know is that Panay Sewell went toe-to-toe with perhaps the best pass rusher in the NFL, and he held his own. Like yeah, he got beat on a he he got beat on a play that was real bad on a run play. Um, you know, Bosa just got right around him for a tackle in the backfield. Uh, he he got pushed back on one play, but large largely in part, I thought Panay Sewell did an incredible job. Like I, I I'm gonna be real interested to see his PFF grade because I I think it should be more indicative of a guy who played a good game than played played a bad game. And can I just say that he also, and this doesn't show up on the scoreboard and maybe people don't care at all, but like he won his postgame press conference too, because he said a lot of really interesting things. Like someone asked him, you know, what, you know, going into the game, what were your thoughts about having to face Nick Bosa? He's like, I didn't really think about it. Like, I didn't want to put that extra pressure on myself, which is, that's an awesome thing. Like, that's a very mature thing to say. And then he was asked, you know, like you seem to hold up pretty, you know, oh, hold your own against Nick Bosa. Like. You know, I, I would say maybe you, you won most of your reps. Like, what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? And he said, I need to win all my reps. Yeah. Love to, love to hear that as well. Like, Perfect. and then he, get, he gets the, the post-game pra- pra- praise from Nick Bosa. I think you have to be very, very encouraged with, with Panay Sewell's game, with his mentality, um, with his fit on the left side, if that's where he ends up staying. That, I mean, is, is there a player just, that, I, that have done a bigger 180 on the narrative surrounding him I, in I one game. I was going to say this no. this damn week, this damn week dealing with Lions Twitter of people trying to reheat their 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 draft takes about this is why I said you should take Justin Fields or this is why I was more comfortable with Rashawn Slater cuz you can move him either way and he's ready to go right now. Shut shut every, no I'm not I'm not calling out Ryan here by the way. I'm calling out <laughs> I'm calling out other people. But like serious to god, shut the bleep up. He's fine. He some time. He's fine. I, I want to remind people, too, he cannot legally drink yet. He is 20. He is 20. And he went out there toe-to-toe with Nick Bosa. Please. Child, please. Yeah. I want to give out the second game ball. Can I do that? Yep. Um, I, I have my guy in mind, but yeah. Like, what do you have? Jamal Williams. That was, that's what it was. Yeah. I yeah. don't think there is a bigger gamer in this game a combined 110 yards from scrimmage 54 on the ground 56 from from receptions this guy like i know we've talked about him as a pass catching running back but 
he absolutely did it on the ground. He was multidimensional. He was a core part of this offense. And um, one of those guys, when we talk about never quit attitude, man, like maybe it's just we're biased because we've had two interviews with him. But go, go on, take it from here, Ryan, because I'm just thrilled with how Jamal played today. Well, well, the, the first thing that was maybe not shocking because of where DeAndre Swift was all preseason long, but Jamal Williams gets named the starter, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that I don't know if I'm willing to give DeAndre Swift my third game ball, so I'm going to talk about him right here, too, because I think that the tandem belong together. And Jamal Williams, very first play from scrimmage, first down, running. And it seems like that's going to let the Lions are going to run the football. That's who they're going to be. And that's who they wanted to be for the majority of the game. And they did that with Jamal Williams. And then they switched to DeAndre Swift. And he ran the ball pretty well and pretty effectively for the most part. And you know what? I I was really encouraged by the ground game. Super encouraged by Jamal Williams as both a runner and a pass catcher. DeAndre Swift has obviously that big play that, um, you know, puts the Lions back within calling distance, you know, with his 43-yard reception. You know, he has eight catches and 65 yards for a touchdown himself. But Jamal Williams was a tone setter. DeAndre Swift was a guy who wasn't affected by not being the starter. Like he still came in and he played like he had that mentality and he looked like a guy. And, and I don't know, Jeremy, from from your vantage view in the in the press box, maybe a little bit different, maybe the same. But like it didn't look like a guy who missed his entire preseason. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious where DeAndre Swift sits with this coaching staff right now, because, you know, they kept saying they're worried about him. They're worried about him. And, you know, I thought maybe that was a kick in the pants and they, they don't start him in this game. And, you know, he ends up getting more carries than Jamal Williams in the game. So maybe starting, denoting a, a starter versus not a starter isn't that important. But he also ran for a lot fewer yards than, than Jamal Williams. He had a critical drop um, in this game as well. On a, I think it was a, a third down play. And Dan Campbell comes out and says, yeah, he had a little bit of rust. He wasn't, he, I mean, he basically said he wasn't ready for starting capabilities. And Maybe that's just not getting the reps in training camp. Maybe that's, again, another kick in the pants being like, hey, dude, you got to get your, your, your butt in gear. Um, but the good news, like, like you both said, like Jamal Williams looked fantastic. Very decisive runner, downhill runner, uh, you know, a, a threat. Offensive, in the, in line was making, offensive line was making plenty of opportunities for him, but he, there was plenty of chances for his own skill to shine on the ground. Yeah, as a receiver, he did fine. I even thought DeAndre Swift did fine in this game. Like there, that like that run that he's his touchdown run there, like he had plenty of moments where it's like okay, that but the touchdown like he even said it himself in the post game presser like I didn't do anything on that play like <laughs> I just I had I he had to be there was one some guy. good blocking yeah it was great it was blocking excellent Jonah blocking. Jackson Jonah Jackson sprung it and he gave direct credit to to Jonah Jackson and then it's just a foot race between him and his safety and you you hope your your speedy number one running back wins that battle ninety nine out of hundred times and credit to him he did. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, the way the coaching staff talks about Deandre Swift has me very intrigued and makes me think maybe he's in a bit of the doghouse. Maybe it's just them. Maybe it's just them saying like, listen, we're not going to give you the reps if you're not ready. And, and to say that Deandre Swift might not be ready, isn't necessarily an insult. It's just dealing with an injury. It sounds like it's some, it sounds like this is some Parcells stuff again. This is Bill Parcells trying to rag out a player to get him to light a fire under his ass. So I think, and I think it's working in this case. We'll we'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on Swift's production in the next coming weeks. Um, third game ball. I think to I the one. Yeah, it's C.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, like 
the star of the show, uh, just shy of 100 yards receiving a touchdown. Uh, Jeremy, there was one incident where he could have gone for probably another touchdown where he's like caught that ball near the sideline. If he twists his foot just a little bit more, he stays in bounds and he's probably he's a clean field in, in ahead of him. And so he kind of trips if up and J- falls out like he if had a Jared Goff thing. makes a better throw. If yeah. Jared Goff makes a better throw like Hawkinson was the reason Goff isn't like has he, he's a big reason why Goff has the stat sheet that he does today. And, and I want to also give some credit to Anthony Lynn because, I mean, we said it all offseason, like, TJ Hawkinson's going to be this team's biggest and sometimes only receiving threat, right? Like, he's the guy that defenses are going to focus on, and they schemed him wide open at times. Wide open. Two or three balls, it, it, it seemed like there, was, there wasn't a guy five yards within him. And it worked. Like, it worked all game. That guy caught passes, I, I have to imagine, in every quarter of the game, career-high eight catches. Um, and, and yeah, and, and the thing that maybe make Lions fans the, the most happy is there was some yak in there too. He didn't just fall down on every play. It wasn't fall down. No fall down. <laughs> no fall down. His <laughs> touchdown pass. He caught it two or three yards short of the, of the goal line, turned it upfield, put his shoulder down and got that extra yard or two for the touchdown. So, um, yeah, I mean, a predict, here's the thing, like a lot of the things that happened on offense were, were very predictable. Being checked down Charlie from Jared Goff, very predictable. We saw it in the preseason. Not seeing a lot of play from the wide receivers, very predictable. I would say maybe that the running game was the one surprise, but TJ Hawkinson getting 10 targets, uh, not at all a surprise for anyone that, that has been paying attention to training camp. Well, yeah, I uh, think the, the big surprise was 11 targets for Swift, that Swift had more targets than Hawkinson. But Check down Charlie. Maybe. Check maybe, down Charlie. Yeah, but like that's, but, that's Goff. It's either he's going to get his first read or he's going to get his check down. And that's it. Anything. Let me tell you that I was a bit surprised that TJ Hawkinson caught as many passes and was as productive as I, as he ended up being because in our first bite preview with Matt Mayoko, like I thought that TJ Hawkinson was going to be something that the 49ers defense just schemed and shut down. They have Fred Warner. They have the perfect counterpoint to TJ Hawkinson. They, they got the guys who can, who can get it done on defense. A, a, a sneaky underlying narrative to this game is how much Jason Verrett's injury maybe have had impacted the 49ers down the stretch because him going out, like we were already talking about how the 49ers secondary was a little bit shorthanded him going out, which isn't a shock for Jason Verrett because the greatest availability is a greatest ability is availability. But with that being, with that being said, I I really think that they may have had a factor, but I didn't think that Hawkinson was going to have as a productive game as he did damn near 100 yards and eight catches for a touchdown. Like, yeah. come on, George, Kitt- George Kittle had a good game, but I would say that Hawkinson probably outperformed him. I thought George Kittle, most of his good game came on his, came on his blocking. Yeah, they, they, involved, they involved Kittle as, oh, he was yeah. a ferocious I mean, run blocker, this game. And, 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 but here's the thing about the 49ers rushing game, and we'll talk about yeah. it in the defense and in, in, in the other segment we have coming up here. They didn't even have their starting running back. Like Moser played a couple of snaps, yeah, and and, and then, yeah, and then it, was, it was yeah. it was all it was all piecemeal after that. Like, let's talk real quick about we we've talked a lot of golf in the first segment. We talked a lot of the wide receivers in the first segment. Is there anything else we want to say on the receivers? Obviously, like a decent day for Khalif Raymond. I felt like with the limited he he made a lot with the limited targets that he had, but 
I mean, I mean he, I, he caught every pass thrown his way that was accurate. Like he, yeah. he had that <laughs> potential touchdown pass that Goff just missed him on. Otherwise, he turned the, the other three targets into 50 yards. I, I was surprised that he didn't get a little bit more involved in this game. Um, but again, like you got a quarterback that's just a little too hesitant to, to push the ball downfield. And that that's what's going to happen. Um, interesting. I mean, Trinity Benson got a bunch of time in the second half with Tyrell Williams's injury. I was going to say, I had some people asking me about Amon Ra's quiet that he was as quiet as he was for most of the game, considering how much we've seen him in the, in the preseason. But again, he's a rookie and he got involved a little bit later on, but like, I, I'm, I wasn't too shocked at that. He, he could have had a touchdown if Jared Goff hit him. Right. Right. <laughs> it's true. Like, so, so I think my overarching understanding of where the wide receivers are with a Jared Goff offense is that the guys on the outside really don't matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're playing in the slot or unless you're lined up as a tight end or you're a running back, I you're not going to get a lot of targets in a Jared Goff offense. And, and I want to be completely fair to Jared Goff. Like he's dealing with a rotating cast of, of wide receivers at this point, right? Like all through camp, it was, you know, uh, Brashad Perriman as your as your number two. And suddenly now it's Khalif Raymond. And, and now in this game, you lose uh, you, you lose uh, Tyrell Williams. So now Trinity Benson is out there. He's a guy who's been with you for a week. Quinnisifus and 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 uh, who else? I mean, Amonra, you've been getting a lot of reps with, but Quinnisifus, you haven't. So there's a lot of like moving parts with chemistry and stuff, and hopefully you see a little bit more of that develop as you go on. But my issue is just Jared Goff is plain scared. He won't push it downfield when like it, you're not going to get a perfect look every time. You're not going Amen. to get a, a guy with three steps on his defender. Sometimes you're just going to have to put a ball in a good place and hope your defender, you hope your receiver makes a play. And he just refused to do that until it was too late in this game. Amen. Yep. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, this is where it's going to hurt a little bit. It's talking about the defense. I feel, um, we kind of knew that the defense was still going to be a step behind everyone, but, uh, boy, there's some, uh, there's some things to talk about here. And yes, we will talk about Jeff Okuda, which I feel like seems to be a puzzle box of a person that we're going to look at his uh, performance 80 different ways and find one thing or another. There's some people who have always already completely written off Okuda and others that say the book's not done yet. We shall see. We'll talk about that and much more. When we come back from Pride Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Now here comes the hard part of this game recap. Talking about the defense. Uh, Jeremy, it didn't go well. I, I think in the words of Bartleby the Scrivener, if I'm being asked to speak about the defense, I would prefer not to. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a complete surprise. We, we saw no, some warning signs in this. that. We, we, we saw we, some warning signs in that Pittsburgh game. We, we knew this was a young, untested defense that... Um, you know, was particularly thin on certain parts of the roster, but I have to say I, I came away very disappointed um, in their effort. They, they give up touchdowns on their first three drives of the game. They don't even, they, in in those first four drives of the game, obviously they get, they get the early turnover, which was kind of, you know, lucky you you fumble a snap, whatever. Um, They only get to third down once and they don't make the stop. That I mean that that alone is a sign that this defense is struggling big. Like 
49ers don't even need three downs to get their first downs. They're, they're getting them on two. They're getting them on one. And it, I hate to say it, but it was a secondary. Like, obviously the run defense wasn't great, but I do think there were some good things about it that, that maybe we'll get to in a little bit when we get a little more nuanced in, in these takes. But I just, I just came away completely frustrated and disappointed in the secondary that we've all been just kind of waited on a bated breath to see, see how they look again, warning signs were there against Pittsburgh. Um, but I was talking up the secondary a lot. The the coaches were talking about up the secondary a lot and they just failed. Like Amani Oruwari did not look good in this first half. Will Harris, he was making, he was getting in the right spots, but dude cannot tackle. The guy is just way too high. The guys are just ducking right under him. And, and breaking tackles, and, and it's just, I don't know what to say. Like, Tracy Walker was no match for George Kittle on a couple plays. I don't know where the sense of optimism is in the secondary because it's, it, was, it was bad, really, really bad. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot more bad than good, and I think that what we had done is we maybe talked ourselves into this coaching staff, hope, hopefully elevating a lot of the play especially in the secondary. And it, it's just clear that that wasn't the case, especially in this one. Like when, when you have a player like Debo Samuel, who, I mean, remove that last mistake that he made. Cause that was, that was a big mistake. And that was an impact play from Trey flowers who yep. I thought had like a pretty stout game. I thought Trey flowers was pretty stout um, in, in his role that he played. And then he makes a big impact play like that, which the game doesn't continue if, if not for that. But let me say this about Jeff Okuda because I had him in my stock down in my stock report that I that I had go on Pride of Detroit today. And I had him in my stock down because even though he made he made a positive play, like shortly after the pass that he gives up to Debo Samuel for a 79 yard, you know, uh, reception and, and touchdown, he goes out and he, he breaks up a pass and it was a solid play. But the thing was, is that it, it reminded me so much of like Nevin Lawson, because in, in the 79-yard pass play that he gave up the touchdown, he was in pretty good position all the way until the end. All the way until the end when it was time to make a play. You're the third overall pick. You have to make that play. Like, you have to make those plays. And I understand for people who want to say, well, you know, Will Harris should have been over there and it, it was a safety thing. And No. Jeff Okuda was in the right spot all the way up until the catch point, And the catch happened and it was done. It was curtains. And... He- that's the thing that's really frustrating about that play is like Jeff Okuda in position all the way touchdown. And, and the thing about that play too, is if it's a perfect, it's broken up because he, he it was he under made the decision. He, yeah, he made the decision to play through the guy's hands, which is, is something you're taught to do, especially if you're behind in the play when you're in phase, like he was, I think you want to turn your head, but if that, if yes. that ball is, is thrown in, you know, in stride, I think he breaks it up. Unfortunately, like you said, underthrown. So he has to kind of reach further back. He misses it. And he does the one thing you can, can't do either, which is, you know, run yourself out of the play. Like does, you know, turns what, you know, 30 yard gain into a 70 yard gain. Yeah. For a touchdown. Yeah. But, but let's talk about Akuda a little bit more here because I'm, I'm really curious about diving into his film here because I, by my, by my recollection, he was probably targeted about three times in this game. Not that much. He gave up a third down. He gave up the big play and he had a batted down pass. And Debo Samuel goes for nine and 189. And 
by my recollection, Okuda's not responsible for a lot of those. He's obviously not responsible for the 79 yarder. Take that away. He's still at 100 yards. So my question is, what was going on on all the other plays? Why wasn't Okuda being targeted? I mean, you look at the guy that was, that was supposed to be their number one receiver, receiver Brandon Ayuk, doesn't even get a target thrown his way. The right? guy who, yeah. who gets a lot of snaps in his place is Trent Sheffield. He gets two catches in this game. So was Okuda, I don't want to use the word lockdown, but like, was Okuda forcing the ball in other, other directions because of his coverage? I don't know this, but it's something I want to keep an eye on because if, if Okuda's only getting targeted three times a game, that's probably a good sign about his play. Now, obviously, you can't give up two big plays out of those three targets. That's a huge issue. And, and I mean, we, we don't even know if we're going to see Okuda for the rest of the season, given that the scary word Achilles has been thrown a while, around. But I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that this game wasn't quite as bad for Okuda as it looked on the surface. That's why I'm saying that's why I've been saying with a lot of fans today is like you got to look at the full corpus of his work. Like and unfortunately, like, yeah, we need to go look at some tape when we're done here and get back to you on Okuda on what we think about it. Um, I wonder if they're just not throwing his way or if it's, yeah, as you say, he's just that good at locking down that, that corner. I just, I don't know yet. Um, I, I, I want to say yeah. one thing that will really get Lions fans fired up. I think you're going to see more Derek Barnes sooner than later because Alex Anzalone in this game was bad, bad. He was bad. Yeah. He was real yeah. bad. And but, but I believe at the end of the game when Barnes was in, he was taking Jamie Collins' spot. Yeah, which was interesting. Mistaken. Which yeah. was interesting well, because we, Collins... we, we, we kind of viewed we kind of viewed Barnes as the, the spell for who would Anzalone would spell, but with, with Barnes in there for, for Collins, who I thought Collins had a solid game. I mean the awareness to be on top of that ball when you know um, when Garoppolo fumbles that snap. Uh, he had a couple a, a good plays in run defense, which is something that I really can't say about the linebackers as a whole um, because it was pretty rough sledding. I, I thought the defensive line, for the most part, like it, it reminded me more of the preseason. I don't I don't know about you, Jeremy, but it reminded me more of the preseason where it didn't seem like the run defense was so much on the defensive line as it was the linebackers getting washed out of plays. Yeah, and this was this was going to be my other kind of nuanced take in in this game is that I thought up the middle the lines were actually quite stout in this game. The the 49ers mm-hmm. didn't really run the ball particularly well up the middle and you can look just to trade like the Trey Lance run packages plays didn't work. Three, Not at three all. Rushes, three three rushes for 2 yards including a, I believe a third down stop in there as well. And so I think Aleem McNeil I think is going to come out looking pretty good if you if you look at his PFF score. Um, Kevin Strong made a couple good plays and, and unfortunately we didn't get to see Levi in this game. He was scratched, but on the edges is where they really got their, their work. And I don't, and at the same time, like, I don't, I think Romeo Quar set the edge pretty well. I thought I, Trey Flowers I, usually sets the edge really well. And so, yeah, I'm, again, we're going to have to look at the tape, but I think that's mostly on the linebackers. So, yeah, uh, you, you, you mentioned Romeo Quara there and I really wanted to get to him. I maybe again i'm an idiot i just it, it seemed awkward and a little out of place and i just didn't see much production out of aquara today and i'm well, just it, trying it, to suss that out that does that does speak to the position change right like it's it's an adjustment for yeah. him it's an adjustment for trey flowers it's something we talked about a lot in the offseason and he's been asked about a lot is it's not exactly the same like his role is essentially the same he's going to rush the passer most of the time he's going to set the edge in the run occasionally not a ton he's going to drop back into coverage but it's not the same to rush for with your hand in the dirt versus standing up and so it, it's different. Um, and I, here's, here's the thing. I think a lot of people might have come away from this game concerned that there wasn't much of a pass rush. And I get that. 
the Lions, what, had two, maybe two sacks they on the day? Three, they had three. They had one sack and three quarterback hits. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was Tracy Walker who, who had the sack. Um, here's the problem, though. Lions aren't getting into third downs. They aren't getting into, av- you know, obvious passing downs where you can pin your ears back and pass rush. And so when they're so concerned about the run and you have to be against this team, you're just not going to get a lot of pass rushing attempts. So that's something that I'm still very much in the like, let's wait and see. I think I think they might still be OK. We, we can talk a little bit about Julian O'Carr being scratched. And I think that plays into it, right? Like the whole, I think, play um, strategy with the defensive front, with the, the outside linebackers was let's stop the run. Let's set the edges. And that's not not something that Julian O'Carr could do pretty well. And I don't really think the Lions suffered that bad due to a lack of pass rush. I don't think they, they were beaten that badly. On, on Okuda's play, the 79-yard pass, Garoppolo got wrecked. Like, that was yeah. kind of a prayer ball. That was kind of lucky. And the reason why it was underthrown is because he got wrecked. The Lions sent a well-timed blitz there. Um, so I'm not concerned about the pass rush yet. Uh, it's something definitely to keep an eye on. But I thought, you know, if, if this team can just be a little bit better on the run in, in early downs mm-hmm. and f- force any third downs, for God's sake, like, yeah. then maybe you're going to see some more pass rush. I, I was going to say real quick to, to that point. That's why I had, I, I know Tracy Walker didn't have his best game um, and he got that sack, which is, um, you know, maybe an unfair rub that I gave him, but I put him in my stock up because I think that when it comes to run defense, like Will Harris is a guy who, if, if there's a position they can upgrade, like that's a very important position that they can upgrade is, you know, run defending safety. Cause like I'm saying, like beyond, I think the defensive line, I think that the second and third line of defenses just did not do a good job of containing containing big plays. Like that that's a big problem with the Lions defense today. It was like big running plays that popped off. And I mean that that comes back on your third line of defense making stops. Uh the one thing, the one nice thing I I can, I did want to say about the the defense and maybe it's just premature because it is Trey Lance and we still don't know what Trey Lance is just Historically, when quarterbacks decide to keep and run, Lions have always seemed to flail about. Usually, usually it's more because like they've dropped back to pass the pass. The the, the pass rush is failing and like Aaron Rodgers suddenly scant bootlegs it for, you know, 10 yards and slides in. But they 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 rolled out some design packages for Trey Lance to try to get some, you know, quarterback keepers and Lions didn't let anything like that develop on the ground. I found that promising, especially yeah, I, given where the quarterback position is going in the NFL. Yeah, to that point, I will say, and because Jeremy didn't have the misfortune of having to listen to Mark Sanchez on commentary. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Mark Sanchez kept on coming back to this point. Like, Oh, this is Kyle Shanahan just putting out film and saying like, Hey teams, you got to respect the fact that train dude, those plays were garbage. Like, I, why are you up. why are you running speed option with with Trey Lance? Like, don't do that. Like, play play on the same. Because here's the thing: I I thought the one thing that the 49ers did so well was like they used their run game to really set up like their naked bootlegs and some of the pat you know some of the play action that they were running. When they brought in Trey Lance, it was something to key in on after that first attempt where it was like running. It was like got. Dude's going to run the football like let's just key in on that. And I mean, he did have a passing touchdown in this game. So I guess that you sure. know goes without saying that he had, you know, a passing touchdown in the red zone for five yards or whatever it was. But his, his only passing attempt. Yeah, his only passing attempt. Like beyond that, he was just a runner. And it was like, I'm going to run off tackle on this like speed option play. And 
can you be a little bit more creative than that, Kyle Shanahan? Because that's not putting out tape that's going to like instill fear in anybody. Like people can shut that down at the NFL level. But but I, I think what's interesting is, you know, you mentioned all the naked boot stuff and, and how the run game kind of opened up some big plays on, on in the passing game. I thought the Lions did that right off the bat, too. Like that was like I was they watching did. the way the offense played. I'm like, that's that's kind of Kyle Shanahan esque. And, and it was it was really exciting to see because I think, you know, they had showed glimpses of, of it in, in training camp and in the preseason with all the pre-snap motion that they did. Um, but there were some kind of nifty plays in there. And I know we talked a, a little bit about it at the top. And I think we, we should give. um you know, the, the offensive coaching team, some, some credit there, Anthony Lynn, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, when you have a quarterback that's not going to throw it downfield, like you got to come up with some creative plays like that. And I know we're talking about the defense mostly. I just thought it's important to throw that out and give a, give a little underline. Oh uh, man. Things had like. to, had to change my shorts though, after the end around play. Cause that oh, play yeah. was <laughs> that far away from not working. Yeah. Oh, it man. was almost a disaster. There were some pitches that Jared Goff was doing where I was terrified. Um, can we end this by like you mentioned Mark Sanchez? Um, I really don't want to have another football game called by this guy again. Last memory I have of him walking into Ford Field was him getting crushed on Thanksgiving Day. But apparently he comes back in here and he's trying to channel Tony Romo. And it was just it wasn't working, man. Yeah. There was a little bit to the broadcast that was very like, let's see if Mark Sanchez can call the play before the play happens type thing. And it was like, no, this isn't happening. That's why he's like, yeah, either, either like, that or when, when I saw Mark Sanchez on broadcast, I was like, you're still young enough to be playing quarterback, but you're in the booth. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those things. But I, he also spent a lot of time like looking at replays like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a if that's a penalty. I don't know. And then he's always wrong. Like I it was he was make cutting jokes at like if you're going to cut jokes at Lions expense, make sure you've never like run into your own lineman and fumbled the football. I guess I know, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I, I, I want to maybe end on a lion centric question. And yeah. I know this is usually our Monday open thread topic, but do we feel better the word do we feel better the same or do we feel worse about this Lions team after week one? I'm allowed to feel better. I'm allowed to feel at least a little bit. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to say about the same because like I felt worse in the middle of this game, but then I came back like better was the was how I felt. See, I felt better about it in the sense that I felt worse earlier in the game. But coming into the season itself, this was about a result I expected. Like that it was going to be a scrapping kind of loss that had some boneheaded bleep in it. Um, It just it came we came to that result in a very roundabout way. So I feel about the same. I think I feel slightly worse. Um, I, I was hopeful for the defense. I was hopeful that an improved defensive front. I was hopeful that a, a changing of the guards at linebacker and you know, a, 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 a great coaching staff in the secondary would produce something better than that. But it was, it was, it was a disaster on defense today. It was more of the same that we've seen over the past three years with quarterbacks just having their way and, and just no, no stopping whatsoever from the defense. So that was a huge disappointment. Offense, I would say, is maybe a tiny bit better than expectations, but Jared Goff was exactly who I thought he was. Um, the receiving core is just not there, but the running game was good. And 
I, I think what has me frustrated is that the running game being good is not going to matter if this defense is any better because they're going to fall behind games a lot if they can't stop an offense at all and give credit to the 49ers. They're, they're going to be a very good team. They're going to be a very good offense. I have all the respect in the world for Kyle Shanahan, but this defense gave me very little to believe that it's going to be very good against any team that can pass the ball. And I know the Packers just got shellacked, but Aaron Rodgers is coming to town and it's probably going to be pretty pissed off. And I don't know if I have any belief that the lions on Monday night in Lambeau are going to do anything to stop this guy. And, and, and do it without Jeff Okuda, probably. Because, I mean, we, again, we haven't really talked about it a lot, but the dude might have an Achilles injury. And if that's the case, you're starting third-round rookie Ifatu Melifanwu, who we all agreed was probably in for a redshirt season because he wasn't ready. And so that, and, and if any of those guys go down, suddenly you're starting Jerry Jacobs, an undrafted rookie who no one expected to make the team. Uh, so the Lions are in trouble in the secondary, and I don't know how they find, their, find a way out. And that concerns me. And here, big picture doesn't matter, right? We all, we all know this team is going to be bad early. We all want him to look better in the future. But if Jeff Okuda is out for the season, he can't look better in December because he's not playing. And so that has me, like, I, I can't say enough about how bummed I am about this injury. And I'm just crossing my fingers that by the time this airs on Monday on our, on our podcast feed, we have much better news than, than what we've been hearing so far. I feel slightly worse because I just looked at the comments of my stock report article and people thought Jared Goff had a good game. People on the radio thought that too, which is, I, I mean, I don't, listen, I, you look at the stat sheet, you, you say he has grit because the, the team almost made a comeback, but the dude threw it away on fourth and whatever, the very last play of the game. Like, he threw a pass into bad. triple coverage for a pick six that really was like a backbreaker before the half. I mean, it, it, in all honesty, like, Here's the thing. I felt worse about the game all the way up until the end, all the way up until right. like the that, really like the, all the way up until the fortuitous bounces that they were able to capitalize on sure. happened like early in the game. Fortuitous things happened and they couldn't capitalize on them. They couldn't convert on a fourth down. They couldn't kick a 51, 51 yard field goal. Everybody's OK that Matt Prater's gone. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. But then you get all the way to the end of the game and then the Lions come back. And, and like you said, Jeremy, that changes the narrative. I think I feel just about the same as this team. I want the defense to be better, but I think that they're just going to be a work in progress because they're so young. The one thing I have to continually remind myself is that stat that, uh, that Eric Slip pulled during one of our, our uh, locker room or green room or whatever you want to call it, is that Aaron Glenn in his first year in New Orleans, their pass defense was like 32nd. But then it jumped to like 10th. And then it jumped to fifth and then it jumped to second. It's going and, to be a long process are, are and they're we, young players. But it, I just, part of me wanted to believe he, he had a magic wand that was going to turn this thing around right away. I just, I just, I just, I never believed in what was here with Matt Patricia. Like, I know a lot of people thought that removing tri- tri- Patricia was going to fix a lot of things. And I found that to be just magical thinking. I just, I think the reason why I feel the same is I just didn't have this opinion of the defense that you guys seem to have. I thought it was always going to be trash. I thought it was always the plan was going to be kind of further down the road than what it is. So I just, yeah, it's I'm just hoping for we're, we're all about the same. Just just a little bit not trash because they were very trash. They were the trashiest. Yeah, like you're this this team is going to be at least 30th in DVOA again on defense. But let's close up this one here. A uh, little more negative than my raving post game, but we'll put both both up on the feed 
And I probably am guilty of some knee-jerk stuff there too. But that's fine because this is the one where we ebb out and get our full opinions out there. So thank you for joining us in the Pride Detroit POD cast. Uh, plenty more where this comes from as we get into the season. First bite coming around again here. Uh, probably some more stuff on the feed as we find it scraps later in the week. It's all coming your way, folks. More of Lions football, more of this, more of uh, sweating through the season. As always, we'll see you star side. <laughs>